He's amused Cam Newton. Just ask that question once. <laughs> He's been insulted by Charles Barkley. When some idiot in the press asked him, if you know what you know now, what you have scheduled this game. He's interviewed Matthew McConaughey. I do say go Tarion. And he's taken on Big Blue Nation. I see, he's just completely taken the wind out of my sails. <laughs> it's time for The Drive with Josh Graham. Welcome to a Wednesday Drive, WSJS, New Stock Sports for the Triad. We're a day after finishing up their first round of interviews. Carolina Panthers have refined their coaching search today and narrowed down their list. Amid all the flair, all the smoke screens, all the misdirections that we've seen publicly, it was always going to come down to Steve Wilkes and Frank Reich. That's where things are. In addition to Kellen Moore, who remained in Charlotte an extra day after meeting with Panthers Brass for the first time yesterday, both Wilkes and Reich reportedly interviewed for a second time today And according to Albert Breer of Sports Illustrated, David Tepper has, quote, pivoted to focusing on candidates with head coaching experience, close quote, a.k.a. these two men. And again, this shouldn't be a surprise. Head coaching experience was clearly important to Tepper all along. If you count his conversation with Jim Harbaugh, which was documented, by both folks on the Michigan side and on the NFL side, half the coaches that Tepper spoke to, former NFL head coaches. Shane Steichen, he's an interesting candidate. He's the one assistant I'd look at, and if Carolina hired, I probably wouldn't have any issues with it, the Eagles offensive coordinator. But there's still a lot of risk attached to hiring a first-time head coach. What's your staff going to look like? How are you going to handle given situations when so many of the other guys have documented proof? Oh, I've been in this situation and this is how I handled it versus this is how I will handle it. You can see that distinction. Plus, David Tepper doesn't really strike me as the most patient guy. And there's no guarantee you'd be able to get Shane Steichen. Other teams are interested in him as uh, in him as well. And you can't talk to him until next Monday at the earliest, per NFL rules, for coordinators that are currently coaching in the championship games. And if you wait, who knows? You might lose out on Frank Reich, who right now is also being considered by the Arizona Cardinals, based on some of the reports. You might be thinking, Josh, why is it narrowed down to those two? Doesn't Sean Payton have head coaching experience? Yes, but he was a long shot from the beginning. When you consider it's a first-round draft pick, you're going to have to attach to bringing him in. Obviously, you'll have to give personnel decisions to him. That's a non-starter for a coach of his stature, but a first-round pick being attached to it too? One of the great appeals to the Carolina Panthers' job is that you can win right now. That's what Steve Wilkes proved. That you could go 6-6 six and six without Christian McCaffrey with the team that's not really trying to win right now. The appeal is you can win right now. Look at the state of the NFC South. And you're going to give a first-round pick to a division rival? That doesn't make a heck of a lot of sense. Plus, there's no evidence that Peyton was, quote, all in on Carolina like we saw a week ago. There's no evidence of that. Why else would he be interviewing with Houston and Arizona and Denver if he was, quote, all in? on the Carolina Panthers. And if I'm giving up a first-round draft pick and all of this power to Sean Payton to come in, oh, he better be all in on my organization. And there's no evidence that that's the case. The problem is, you're likely not going to be able to hire both Wilkes and Reich. That would be the most approved upon, the most approved of scenario, I should say. If you get Frank Wright to be the offensive coordinator, pay him like he's a head coach, and David Tepper has that type of cash, you there's no salary cap on what you can spend on coaches. We still don't know what he paid Joe Brady, after all, a few years ago. Wilkes be, you have to have Wilkes be the head coach. It can't be the other way around after the dynamic of this year and players in the locker room advocating for Wilkes to be the guy. 
Frank Reich has ties to the area. It's not just that he was a quarterback here a million years ago. No, his daughter works for the Carolina Panthers. His brother is the head coach of Wingate right down the road. So there are some incentives here, but Reich would probably have to settle. There are probably better offensive coordinator jobs open than the Carolina Panthers OC job. Look at the one in Los Angeles to potentially coach Justin Herbert. And there are a few others that are open as well. Frank Reich was my prediction from the beginning of this. It would be underwhelming to me if he was the choice. I wouldn't hate it. It would be underwhelming. I would prefer Steve Wilkes to be the guy, but I don't think this past weekend did Steve Wilkes any favors. I think when Sean McDermott lost out and you see defensive coaches falling out and all you have in the playoffs at this point are offensive-minded guys, owners like David Tepper are going to pay close attention to that. And Frank Reich at the end is an offensive-minded coach. There's a reason why. Seven of the nine candidates interviewed are offensive-minded guys. I think in the end, it's going to be Frank Reich, not Steve Wilkes. It won't be both. That's where we're going to end up. But right now, as the search is refined, it goes back to the place where it's always been. Frank Reich or Steve Wilkes. On Twitter, at WSJS Radio, if you want in, 336-777-1600 is the phone number. However, wherever you're listening, certainly appreciate that. WD, how concerned were you for the Tar Heels last night? Oddly, not that concerned. What? I, I mean, listen, I want one and four on the road, and this wasn't the Pittsburgh game all over. Oh, I forgot. You're a Carolina fan, so you're just eternally optimistic. I mean, I'm eternally optimistic, regardless of that. But well, last night was a perfect example why I wouldn't fault you if you were. Like because Carolina fans, all they know is the best case scenario turning out for them. Oh yeah, we're gonna miss a free throw, and then their players just gonna give it right to Pete Nance, who lays it in. That's the Carolina experience if I've ever seen it. I just had a feeling I'm like, I it's it's too close for comfort. I'll give you that, but I'm like, they'll probably pull it out. That's the Carolina experience. I suppose. Other fans are just terrified of when the terrible thing's going to happen to them. Carolina fans are like, oh yeah, of course that Joe Girard's gonna throw it right back into Pete Nance after he misses a free throw for the tying layup. Yeah, it's gonna happen. But getting to that game, Will Dalton, the executive producer of the show, is a Carolina fan. Last night at Syracuse, it was not pretty. Heck, Armando Baycott said they were lucky to Armando. win. But that's a win the Tar Heel should be proud of because that's a game that they likely don't even win three weeks ago. I brought up Pittsburgh. One in four on the road going into this. And last night looked like the pit game all over again. Carolina getting beat one-on-one. -on -one. Carolina seeing the lead slip away in the second half. But to their credit, they figured it out and they drew on the experiences that they've had in previous close games and executed in the end. That's what Hubert Davis was talking about after the game, and here he was. We've been there before. I mean, we've been in tight situations before, and so that's one of the luxuries and the beauty of this team is that we've been in situations like this before. And so, you know, making a shot with 55 seconds to go and you're down by two, that's so much time, so much stuff can happen. A lot did happen, and so... Um, Having that type of experience and being in those situations allow you to um, be in the moment, be calm, and be able to execute. Yeah, and they executed down the stretch. Give credit. The sign of a great player is what they can contribute to their team when their number one asset or their number one skill set has been taken away or isn't quite working on a given night. In other words... If you're a scorer and you're not scoring, how else are you going to help the team? R.J. Davis found ways to contribute other than scoring. Like, last night was the first time really this year that he had scored in single digits. Nothing was falling for him. So what does he do? Takes a charge in the final five minutes, and then in the final minute, the final 30 seconds, he's the one that takes the elbow up high from Judah Mintz, taking the charge. Those were two big defensive plays and that is why he's one of the key pieces of this team. It's This is Armando Baycott and R.J. Davis' team. Not Caleb Loves. He's still an ancillary piece as far as I'm concerned. Important, sure, but the heart of this team is four and five. Pete Nance took a big step last night. They need somebody outside of those three guys who could score for them. 
And this is the first time since returning from the back that he scored into double figures. And not only that, he scored 21 points and had those plays late in the game. So they're in a really good spot. Sure, they might have caught some breaks, but now they're off for a week. You could do a little bit of self-scouting. The Duke game is next Saturday, 10 days from now. Their next game is against, uh, I think, Pittsburgh in a week. It's a good spot for Carolina to be in. They've won four in a row. That's a win they should be proud of. 336-777-1600. Darren Bott's going to join us later on this hour in studio. Dot, six-man of Carolina basketball. Going to be in studio later on in the show. Just a loaded show. Let's get to Ed and Winston-Salem, who wants in on the Tar Heels win last night. Ed, did you expect that to happen, or were you relieved that Carolina won? I was relieved. That was really an exciting uh, ball game. And uh, like uh, they caught... Uh, Said they were they were fortunate. They they got the breaks and they made the plays. And I totally agree. Maybe two or three weeks ago, I don't think they would have uh, won that game. But getting to the way their offense attacked that zone, I was very happy with that. They didn't rush their outside shots. They didn't shoot a great percentage, but they hit them when they needed to. Uh, they attacked from the baseline and they attacked in the uh, middle and you know from the uh, free throw line. But on defense, you're right. Uh, they've got to clean up their defense. It uh, wasn't that good. It, it was very similar, like you said, to the Pittsburgh game. Uh, they were beating them bad, especially R.J. was getting beat bad by that uh, freshman Mintz yeah. off the bounce. And uh, But let, let me bring something to your attention, Please. and see if, if I'm being too picky here. Uh, Carolina's lost six games. Uh, three of those losses – were the top 10 teams, and then the other team, Iowa State, who's number 11 right now since they beat K-State last night, and hopefully if they beat Missouri uh, Saturday, they'll probably jump in. So that's four teams in the top 10. Uh, Virginia Tech beat them. Uh, yeah. They were in the top 25 for a couple of weeks. And then Pittsburgh's not a bad uh No, team. not a and, bad and, loss. It's on the road. That's a quad one game. Yeah, and, and and those six losses were just by a total of 36 points, uh, total, you know, an average of six points. So right now, and hopefully it doesn't come uh, in these last 10 games, they haven't had, you know, four or five 20-point uh, blowouts. But my question is, uh, do you think they deserve to be in the top 25? If you look at some of these other teams ranked in front of them and the conferences and the team uh, that they played uh, I just don't understand it. Oh, I understand it. It's blatant disrespect for the ACC that you're seeing with Ken Palm and you're seeing it a lot of different places, but we can discuss that at a later point. To answer your question, though, Ed, and I appreciate the call, they should be ranked in the top 25. Frankly, I was surprised they weren't after beating NC State last week, and since they don't have a game this weekend, I think North Carolina definitely should be ranked in the top 25 next week. In terms of the losses, you're right. This is progress from last year. Hubert Davis, when things went badly, particularly on the road, they would get rolled in games. They'd lose by 22 to Wake. They'd lose by 28 to Miami. They'd get blown out by close to 30 against Kentucky. So the point you bring up is a good one that you've lost six games, and those six margins were only decided by 36 points combined. It, it is progress. This Carolina team is better than last year's team, which should have Tar Heel fans believing Oh, yeah, we can win a national championship. And nobody's here to say that they can't. But it still will probably require them turning on something and catching some breaks like they caught in the month of March last year. Hopefully, they will have catch similar breaks with the bracket that allow for them to do so. Cough, cough, like playing St. Peter's in the Elite Eight. Let's get the show going. It's The Drive with Josh Graham. The Bronson version. Good. Sorry. Jumped on your program here. Darren Bott is in here. And here's how I know Darren Bott's a huge baseball nerd. He knows for sure. Oh, that's not Stone Temple Pilots. That's Bronson. Who famously performed this song plus Stone Temple Pilots. It's their song. Excuse me. That is <laughs> one Hall of Fame vote recipient, Bronson Arroyo, covering Stone Temple Pilots. Outstanding. We need to bring back the Nickelback segment that we used to do. 
Because Bronson Arroyo, Look at this photograph. he there was it is, he was all Nickelback. He was for, remember we did an all Nickelbacks team. I he was think on he it. was our starting pitcher. He was Marcus on the Giles was at second base, <laughs> I believe. <laughs> and if you don't know what we're talking about, it's someone whose success was close ended in the decade, the two thousands, kind of like Nickelback that had all those great hits, but it was all close ended in that decade. And I think we figured out who that might be for the 2010s. And now that we're three decades into the 2020s now, maybe three years. This might be 2020. What did I say? You said decades. Sorry, three that's not, years. That's impossible. Yes, it is. <laughs> you can't we're three years. We're into three two. years into the <laughs> 2020s. Maybe it's time to start exploring doing the Imagine Dragons <laughs> of 2010s because isn't that the perfect example of or a band? Here, whose on. success was close-ended to that decade, the Imagine Dragons were the Nickelbacks of the 2010s. I think that's true. Now, while we're doing this production meeting live on, on the air, uh, I, I do have a suggestion. The point of the bit is nostalgia. That's right. Why don't we go back? Let's do the 90s. Oh, now. <laughs> <laughs> Who is the Nickelback... Of, of the, the 1990s. 90s. Look at this photograph. Dave Matthews Band? No. Too prominent now. Pearl Jam. Matchbox 20. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> we need to think on this a little bit longer. We'll might, workshop it. We'll workshop it. Might be something there. 90s bands. Stone Temple Pilots is not bad. It's not bad. It's not bad. Ah. <sighs> If you want to be oddly specific, like Nirvana, Fuel, fuel I mean, Fuel's a good option. Could Red Hot I, they, Chili Peppers be no, on no, no, well, way too big. Yeah, they're huge. Okay. especially in the two thousands. Oh, too. you can be too big for this. Yes, that's the point. That's it, the point. You, good, but if not, you're not. It's close ended to a decade. Like, there's no great Nickelback after two thousand and ten. So you got to figure out who in the nineties. Oasis might be the answer to this question. But see, like, dude, you go to the UK and they are... We're not in the UK. Massive. By the way, going back to the 90s, I want to clear up something. There is only one song called The Freshman. <laughs> I got confused by the fact there's a verb and the verb pipe. Two separate groups. Yeah, fresh. The Freshman by The Verve Pipe. The verb sings, it's a bittersweet sympathy. Bittersweet sympathy. The verve. That's the verve. The verve and the verve pipe. Yeah. The verb does Bronson Arroyo. Sympathy. <laughs> not so famously covered the verve pipe. Bittersweet sympathy. Sym symphony. Symphony. Sorry. Got to make sure I get the <laughs> title right. Which is known. Gosh, what's that movie? Cruel Intentions? Late mm -hmm. 1990s? I, I, I couldn't tell you. End of that movie? Yeah, you were looking at Will as terrible, if he was going to have a clue. Terrible I was just going to say, yeah, yeah. Yep, that's one. Like yeah. with Reese Witherspoon, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, end of that movie, Bittersweet Sympathy. It sounds like something that we could maybe get to in unusual questions if we want to continue <laughs> that conversation. Let's get into ACC officiating, why don't we? All right, okay, okay. I hate people who constantly... Okay, I don't hate people. That's a little bit strong. It annoys me when people focus so much on the officiating. It is a pet peeve that I have, and I'm at the point now where I think the ACC needs to stand up and defend their refs because what we've seen now with social media, outcry is at an all-time high while context is at an all-time low. So all you need is one little stat, like, I don't know, 39 to 12 free throw disparity <laughs> or last night oh oh last two games 62 to 13 because Syracuse attempted or 62 15 because Syracuse attempted just three free throws for you to say officiating bias and then all you have to do is ask one question to undress that argument okay are you suggesting that there's bias by the officials no okay well then what are we talking about then or like the other implication there that people don't realize they're making sometimes when they, they look at the numbers of free throws or the numbers of fouls called. It's like every game is not in a vacuum at, with its own foul breakdown from sure. team to team. It, there right? Like you're making the assumption that the same number of fouls happens on each end of the floor every single basketball game that you play, which is just 
not true. If a team is hacking the the other guys, they're going to get called for fouls NC more. NC State, going into last Saturday, led the ACC in fouls given because of how aggressive they are defensively, and Carolina led the ACC by far in fouls dri- drawn because, not because of bias, but because of Armando freaking Baycott. Armando. That's the reason why. And here's the other thing. Sometimes the little bit of information is not foul disparity. It's actually a bad call, such as the Kyle Filipowski play on Monday. I thought that was a bad call. But what we're seeing is Kyle Filipowski play, flagrant one and Jim Beheim's reaction at the end of last night's game at Syracuse, the foul disparity. People put those three things together, and all of a sudden, we've got a crisis. (laughs) Oh, we've got an officiating crisis. When the reality is, the ACC has really strong officials. They have at least three guys who are regularly Final Four officials, including guys who have worked these games we're talking about. You know who called that foul at the end of the game last night? Roger Ayers. He's the best referee in all of college basketball. You want to know who was the head official of NC State Carolina last Saturday? Burt Smith. Burt Smith regularly works Final Fours. So what needs to happen from the ACC, in my opinion, and we've seen this a little bit from the NBA, just a little bit of acknowledgement when mistakes are made, but also some facts, some defense being thrown out for these referees. It is a fact that in the era of replay, statistically, more calls are made accurately today than they have ever been in the history of college basketball. That is a fact. It's not an assumption. It's not a leap. It's not a guess. It's a fact. You need people to defend that. And when people make mistakes, it could go a really long way. When, Like the NBA does with the two-minute reports, if you have somebody say the Filipowski play probably should have been called this way, and it was a mistake. But these officials got this percentage of the calls right. I know some are thinking this could open up a can of worms, but I'm telling you, in the era where opinions are molded by social media, in the age where outcry is at an all-time high and context is at an all-time low, you need to combat this a little bit. I'm looking at Jim Phillips at the ACC office, assuming he's not interviewing right now for the Big Ten job or just focusing (laughs) on football (laughs) schedules that are dropping next week. Maybe it's Paul Brazo who's the head of ACC basketball. Somebody needs to stand up for these officials because I think you got really good refs and the fact that some are running away with small contexts and trying to extrapolate that out to saying that the problem is a crisis, that it is a problem and it is a crisis, I think that's wrong. Did a uh, referee write this segment? I'm, I'm kidding. Um, no, but like the, 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 the element of being devoid of context isn't even just with fans anymore. And that's the most infuriating thing. When you've got Kevin Keats at the podium postgame for NC State saying definitively he's never been a part of a game that a, a single team shot 39 free throws, when you, we all can go back and look You and played see. one NCAA tournament game, man. <laughs> we remember three years ago, one NCAA tournament game you've coached in, and it happened. And eight other times when you were at UNCW. Like, you're here in the His state of North Carolina. team had 39 free yes! throws. Right? That's like, of, yes, you have. It just didn't look the same. Yes, it didn't do anybody any favor. It didn't upset you because it favored your team. Desmond writes in, Papa Roach and the Goo Goo Dolls for the 90s. Ooh. Goo Goo Dolls is interesting. Good, well, I'm hesitant. Not that I don't respect Nickelback, but I'm hesitant to say it's the Goo Goo Dolls because of my respect for the Goo Goo Dolls in their catalog. Counting Crows. Are we going jam band? <laughs> Are, like, is that now? This is a matter of genre. Are we doing jam band? You suggested DMB. <laughs> Counting Crows. Hootie. Kind of makes sense. I guess what what would be the drop be like? That's going to be the differentiator. When we, every time it's we gotta name be rock a bands. Ca- we're not going boy bands. Some are sending no. me Backstreet Boys and stuff. Get no, out of here! No, with no, that. no, no. And those were like cultural phenomena too. Those, it would probably hurt your feelings if we did Blink One Eighty Two. We're not going to do that. Hey, Blink's back. Blink's that's still, what I'm saying. Still relevant. Okay, Come it would on. hurt your feelings. REM's interesting. 
No, nah, they have no, hits in the 80s, too good, though. Too good. Hits in the 80s. Yeah. But huge hits in the 80s. Too good. Way too good. That's an unusual question County that we're Crows. just throwing what, what we out. Drop? Hanging around this town on the corner. Every time we every time we do one, that's Counting Crows, right? I think uh, Counting Crows also has a song in a key moment of the movie Cruel Intentions back <laughs> late 1990s. <laughs> Reese Witherspoon, have you heard of this movie? It's pretty good. <laughs> Uh, if you have an they unusual no question, idea. they were just they were ca- they were uh, scoring that film with the most mediocre of 90s music. <laughs> Do you want to give us a tease for an unusual question we might be answering in a second, WD? Uh, yeah, I don't have one yet. I got to figure one out over the break. So there's your tease. Get it together. Oh, please. You've forgotten your unusual question multiple times. Wow. What I've a bad team. During the sec- is. I mean, I've WD never. is da- WD yeah, is a he's, bad team. He's awful. I'm a great over there. Teammate. Don't even. Unusual questions is next. On the drive with Josh WSJS. This is it. I want you to just pull that sound right there. The first line of this song. We're trying to figure out who the Nickelbacks of the 1990s are. Since we established the Imagine Dragons, they're that band of the 2010s. Darren, are you cool with the Counting Crows being that group? I think so. Like, I'm mulling it over in my mind. Like, they're they're popular enough. They meet Nickelback's popularity, right? It's not too great where their music... Yeah. You don't hear a lot of... Counting Crows conversations 20 years later. Yeah, no, not a lot of people are like, you know who's my favorite band ever? Counting Crows. But people might go back and say, you know who I really like? Counting Crows. Nobody doesn't jam to Mr. Jones. It's like a kind of a take. Just like if you say, you know who was actually pretty good? Nickelback. Kind of a take. People might disagree with you. Just like if you say, you know who actually got it figured out? The, the hairdo that the lead singer of the Counting Crows had. That guy had it all figured out. Might try to bring that back. A lot of fashion in the 90s coming back in 2023. So let's just try to <laughs> test this thing out before we get to unusual questions. Counting crows of baseball. How about I lead off with center fielder Brady Anderson? I, no joke. In Little League, I wore number nine for our guy Brady. I did. I just wait. I loved the 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 sideburns. I don't know. I loved it. And then he, you know, he roided it up and did it hit fifty two bombs in the one season. So this is a question I have. BJ Surhoff was a Nickelback. Yeah. For the two thousands. Will. <laughs> Look at this photograph. But he also played half his career in the 1990s. Is he accounting crows as well? Yeah. Also, I I may want to. I think we may amend the drop to the sha la la at the beginning. Oh, wow! What, what do we think? Can I hear the sha la la at the beginning of this song? <laughs> because maybe you're right. You're straining Will a little bit. This is, this is good. I think that's pretty good. I, right? Like, you know, I say Mickey Morandini. Sha la 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 la. Sha la 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 la. I think it's the sha la la. I could see it either way. I think we found the right band, though. So <laughs> thanks for all right. the submissions right. that we have here. Maybe we might advance with it's this, perfect. or maybe this will be the last time we ever do this. It's perfect, too, to me, because Mr. Jones specifically. So when I played at Emory and Henry College, that was on our playlist for like a, a an Old Dominion Athletic Conference doubleheader Saturday. So that is a song I very, very, very strongly associate with playing baseball in BFE, Virginia. We've got unusual questions in a bit. Some of you might be completely lost because <laughs> yeah, you probably baseball's are. nostalgic. We came up with the Nickelbacks of the 2000s, trying to identify players that were only good in the 2000s that we're nostalgic about. The 90s, we're trying to figure out what band that might be to make a similar analogy, and we figured out that it is, in fact, Counting Crows. 
Real quickly, closing up this knot, Cruel Intentions, 1999. You tell me if this plot would fly in 2023. Annette, played by Reese Witherspoon, unwittingly becomes a pawn in Sebastian, Ryan Philip, and Catherine, Sarah Michelle Gellers, deliciously diabolical wager of sexual conquest when she writes an article in Seventeen Magazine about how she intends to stay pure until she marries her boyfriend. However, Sebastian gets more than he bargained for as he attempts to woo Annette into his bed. That's good synopsis writing, but no, there's no way you make that That doesn't age well. I'll say this too. Sarah Michelle Gellar, at that point in time, was white hot. Yeah, that's before she She did Scooby-Doo. She was a sensation. That was before she did the Scooby-Doo movie. And she's playing, I think, Daphne a few years after that. Yeah, she was Daphne. Uh Uh-huh. Buffy? Yeah, absolutely. She was Buffy. That was was the biggest possible thing. I'm saying Scooby-Doo was kind of the end of it. Speaking of things that didn't age so well, last night I watched Big. How'd that scene go? Last 15 uh, minutes of that movie when she knows (laughs) he's a 13-year-old boy and it's like lovingly caressing his hair and stuff. What, uh, what movie is this? Big with Tom Hanks. It's an 80s movie. Here's uh, the premise, WD. Uh, Tell me if how this would go. Uh, he is a 13-year-old boy who wishes upon a magical machine that he'd be big, and he's turned into a 30-year-old man, playing by Tom Hanks, and then some girl falls in love with him. There is a sex scene in this movie, and then later on, he wants to become a boy again, so there has to be the conversation of, by the way, BT Dubs, I'm 13. <laughs> and we fornicated. She even asked the question, like, how young are you when you were a kid? 16 or 17? That doesn't make it okay either. <laughs> right, as if that's better. It doesn't make it better. No, it doesn't. Let's get to unusual questions, why don't we? <laughs> Last week, guys, everybody made it out that I got mad at Josh and I left the press conference. That's not right. I thought it was an unusual question, and it's okay. It's time for Unusual Questions with Josh Graham. I did it. I did it, by the way. I just want to quickly interject. My goal since we started Unusual Questions was to make it, in one given show that I'm in studio, the most straight-laced thing that we do. And I think I succeeded. Like yeah, this, we're, has been, this is as keeping it between the lines as we're going to be today. This hour has been off the rails. <laughs> we're going to keep things in the straight and narrow in hour three when B Dot joins us in studio. What a yeah. show! Yeah, what a show this is. Uh, I'll start. Been sitting on this one for a few weeks. Told you guys that some folks damaged some of our radio signals. That's not cool. Those folks are going to be punished. Whenever we find out who they are. Oh, I thought you had breaking news. I was like, did we catch them? Like, it's a federal crime. FBI's involved, do you see? Blue jackets and all. How would you do under FBI interrogation, Darren? (laughs) Or WD? Oh, um... That's tough to answer. I I mean, I don't... Does anybody know until they're in it? Once I brought up the FBI, I've had people emailing me and tweeting me. Hey, are, do you have the FBI grilling you asking, like, what fan base has been hardest against you? Like, hey. <laughs> okay, all right, yeah, yeah, but that's that's different than... Or did you have any involvement in these towers? You're right, Falling right. Okay, Graham? so, all right, so, the, so the, the reduction question is, like, are you a good liar? Is that what we're asking? Do you think if you had the lie... To the FBI, you could, you could get away with it. Yeah, I think so. I think I think so. I think I could pull it off. No chance. WD, what's your unusual question? Um, if you were a condiment, what would you be? Hmm. So this isn't what your favorite condiment is. If, yeah. If I was a condiment, which one would, would you I be? be? Like I'd be spicy is, mustard. This is the part. Oh. This is the part where I say I'm. I'm Hot and exotic, so I'm sriracha. Dave from Winston-Salem says <laughs> WD is- would fold like a card table underneath. <laughs> Who said that? You would. Dave from Winston-Salem said you would oh, fold like a card quiet, table. Dave. He is so right. He also says I it's got to be sha-la-la-la-la, by the way. Yeah, has to be, right? Sha-la-la-la-la. There's an art on Twitter in our mentions 
both you and I, Josh, that says Andrew Jones, sha la la la. Like that man might be a Hall of Famer. Come on, come on. Put some respect on but his also, name. But also, his plight as a Hall of Fame candidate is the not so lengthy stretch in which he was good. So maybe that's accurate. I don't know. I would say I'm spicy mustard. Got some takes. Also, I just really like mustard. I don't even like mayo that much, but I feel like I might be mayo. Yeah, Ew. you're pretty toasty and white. I mean, that's not why. Nah, I just, I mean, it's it's tough to say. It has like I, to do I with made it. the hot and exotic joke, but like white, some sort of European descent mutt from the mountains. You, you know, you can't. It's not like I can say I'm soy sauce. <laughs> What's your unusual question, Darren? You guys got a favorite flower? <laughs> I'm wearing a tie. Do you guys know what flower this is on these on this tie? I can't see. This is a poppy. Oh. Poppies slap. That's my favorite flower. I like poppy seed I'm dressing. I'm basic. Daisies. Will, what do you got? What's I'll go with flower? a rose just because. Loser. Well, that's the only. Yeah. Is rose. that the only. Be honest. Name is that the only flower other, you know? three other flowers. <laughs> Poinsettia. Christmas. Poinsettia. It's a poinsettia. I'm not getting in an <laughs> argument yeah, with Darren. Do on that one. That's less of a flower and more of a plant, though, right? Like That's a full plant, plant, not a flower. You would not. Poinsettia is not a flower? Yeah, points. Like, we're Poinsettia. talking about. I'm not going to try and pronounce tulips. it. Like an actual bud. Like tulips. A, like a, a thing. There you go. Tulip. That's, That's a, a flower. That's one. Yeah. There we go. Yeah. Easter Sunday. Take That's some right. tulips to your mother. Uh huh. All right. So you know two. They're good. Good. All right. Do you have a preference of those? Is the tulip your, your pick? I'll go with the tulip. Roses are trash. So, are they trash? Yeah. You just got to realize roses are trash. Hmm. Unoriginal. Tulips are. It is unoriginal. Overplayed. So I'll give you poinsettia. I'm a big Christmas guy. Yeah. Now that that checks out for you. And that's been unusual (laughs) questions for this week. I'll close things out by just simply saying one more name Mark Lemke. Yes! Yes! The big cat! Not big cat. That's Andres Galarraga. What what did they call Lemke? I don't know. Something cat, right? Wasn't he a cat? He was a brave. Le- lemur? Hold up. I, I got to Google. He, <laughs> was the, he was the lemur. The lemur. The limer. Limer. Lemur. Whatever. Lemke. Lemke. Mark Lemke. That's God. That's a good one. Sha-la-la-la-la-la. indeed. Seven eleven. Seven eleven. Seven o'clock tip. For High Point, Campbell tonight. ESPN Plus, you can watch Darren Vaught. Have a great call tonight, buddy. I will. I'll see you guys. That's Darren Vaught. Yeah, it's just a really normal hour of radio we just did. And now, the moment you've all been waiting for. You're on The Drive with Josh Graham. BDOT's in studio with us. I am. Man of Carolina basketball. I am. Tar Heels, fresh off that win against Syracuse last night. Before we get to that, though, did anything from Saturday rub you the wrong way about what came from this NC State-North Carolina game? There was a lot of venom on both sides. Really? I've been folks, oblivious, man. I've been so busy. With folks were mad at Armando Baycott because of the shades Armando. when Traquavion got hurt. Really? Folks were mad that Carolina fans booed the fact that Leakey got thrown out A of the game. Too? It was so unjustified. Right, but you were in the building when this was all happening. Yeah. There's a distinction to be made between standing ovation applause for Traquavion when he comes off the floor. And chanting. Yeah. Did you forget the chanting? Because the I couldn't hear section, the chanting. I oh, didn't the know student they were section definitely chanted, um, Baby T. You got it going, Baby T. Right. Yeah, Baby so, T. So that's actually, happening. Actually, Adam Lucas sent me a text message. He was like, it'd be cool if you could get the student section to do a Baby T chant. And I said, on it. So yeah. I passed it to them. I was like, when they cross over half court, we start Baby T chant. And, and he they did. did that. That's a really nice thing. Didn't know that. Didn't come across on television. Good to know. But there's a distinction between that and then fans being mad when – after the fact, Leaky Black is obje- is ejected for the flagrant too. Now, I don't want to relitigate all of it, but there was just a lot of stuff to come out of it. Traquavion yeah. going out later that night, and then some people saying, well, if you were really that hurt, right. 
college kids are going to be college kids. If you're fine, you can go out. That's not a problem, right. obviously. But it was a classic rivalry game. I loved it. A lot of stuff came out of it, and it wasn't just the basketball game. And I don't think that's cool to... Antiquavion's fine now, so we can talk fine. about all these things. Yeah, absolutely. He played 39 minutes last night. I don't think it's cool for them to go at Mondo like that when Traquavion jumped out there first shooting off his shots. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's always interesting. It's cool when they do it. It's a problem when I do it. And I don't really appreciate that. Like, when NC State shoots their stuff out, like, their coaches talk trash about us or their players talk trash about us. We all have to just sit back and take it. It's cool. Whenever we say something in retaliation into the rivalry, then it's a problem. But then if we say there is no rivalry, then it's a problem. It's damned if you do, damned if you don't with well, the whack pack. The argument in this case, to be fair, is that it's not the fact he wore the shades. It's the fact that we didn't know what Traquavion's status was at that point. Now, I didn't take much offense to it. I didn't take it that seriously. I don't think a lot of people were offended by it. It's just something easy on social media to amplify right. and make it seem like you were upset. Clearly, it was pre-planned. Mondo clearly was like, if we win, I'm going to I'm gonna have the shades on as a retaliation. You know what I mean? And by that point, we had heard enough um, behind the scenes that we knew that it wasn't a horrific like season ending. Like It wasn't that type of energy at that time. I understand. I made the argument yesterday that Armando is probably Armando. the most beloved Tar Heel since Hansboro. No doubt about it. And, I, you know, that's, the, that's saying a lot because people love Theo. People love Joel Berry. You know, Luke people, May, Marcus Page. Yeah, like when, when, whenever anything with Cam Johnson pops up there or Brady Manic, they go absolutely insane in the Smith Center. But what Armando has been able to do and just to watch him just progress over these last four years and the records that he's broken – He's definitely like Iron Man, all-time, top five Tar Heel of all time. Because the two things, wow, I don't even know if I would go that far, but that is pretty far. That's a fact. Two things that you mentioned there I think are key to this. Number one, his journey, where his career resides. His first two years were Roy Williams' last two years. His next, his final two years are Hubert Davis's first two seasons. That placement in Carolina history is significant, but also the records you're talking about are not just small records. <laughs> it's rebounding and a 60-year-old record from Billy Cunningham. That's that's not small. And on a team that features bigs, you know, like Roy Williams' entire tenure was always two rebound, uh, you know, two bigs down there. So like rebounding has been our forte. So for Armando to come Armando. from Richmond, Virginia, and to and to surpass Tyler Hansborough and continue to pile on. Like, this season is far from over, Josh. You know, like, so he's going to make a record that probably will stand um, to the end of time. I hope that his name hangs in the rafters, but they have actual criteria that you have to obtain to do it. And I think he is on track. Um, you got to win ACC Player of the Year or be first or second team All-American or be the most outstanding player in the Final Four. A lot of people forget, Tar Heel fans know, but maybe others don't, that Kennedy Meeks probably was the most deserving player in that 2017 Final Four of getting that award, if you go back to the Oregon and Gonzaga games. But Joel Berry got the award, and Joel Berry has his name hanging in the rafters as a result. So the, it, there is actual criteria that right. are attached to these things, and that's something to follow as we go further in the season. Syracuse last night. WD, and this is, I see in a lot of Carolina fans, has this feeling that good things are just going to happen to his team. That's just it. Hmm. It's not that they're just going to miraculously happen. I just think the they're good, they were good enough to make it happen. Yeah, you're just so like, I wasn't too worried you're about expect, You didn't have fear. You just thought that were good things were going to happen. Yeah. You were worried? Once they took the lead, I was worried. Because it looked like Pittsburgh all over Like again. once RJ missed back-to-back -back free throws, I was worried. Like those were just things that just uncharacteristic – like, One and four on the road so far this year. The lead slipped away. That's why I thought that's a win that North Carolina should be really proud of because now they have four straight wins and they're going into a stretch where they don't play in a week. And we saw the last time how big that week off after the Virginia Tech game was in November for them. I mean, this is a good spot for them now to really move forward and improve. Now, I'm telling you, I'm going to be 100% honest. The NC State game, I never felt that game was in doubt, ever. Like, I never for a second felt like, oh, my gosh, NC State's about to make a run. And we, I, never. 
I, I have no clue why. I, I, it, maybe it was the rebounding record that we were we were chasing that day, or the energy that was there. The 1993 team, Roy Williams was this close to coming on the court and swag surfing with me to start it off. He was this close. Are you gonna get that to happen for the Duke game? I don't know, man. I, he's not. If I couldn't get it for NC State, I don't think I can get it. Like he he would have done it if I would have been like, dang, coach. All right, he would have been like, all right, I'll do it. But he just feels comfortable up there doing it with Wanda, and I told him I I respected that. He was I saw like, Mac Brown doing it. The last yeah, game. Yeah, Mac Brown was up there maybe, doing it. Maybe he'll get that. He definitely would be game for that. Yeah. He'll go, he'll go down there and do it with you. You just got to ask him. Yeah, I might he have would. to see if Coach Mack would come Do you have any uh, interactions with any of the 93 guys? Nah, man. As a matter of fact, I was trying to leave the way I normally leave to get out of the arena, and it was the room I would have to go through. That's where the 93 team was. And I go to walk up, like I'm in, and, and the security stopped me like, whoa, it's the 93 team. I was like, no, I'm just passed through. We don't care. It's the 93 team. I was like, wow. Like, dang, I wanted to see Dante Calabria. Just wow. imagine what they would have done for the 82 team. Sheesh. Nah, the 82 team, when they came, that was NC State last year. That's right. That was OD. Like, I remember seeing MJ in the tunnel. And you remember that scene in The Little Mermaid where the sea witch takes um, Ariel's voice? Of course. That's what happened to me. <laughs> he loves Little Mermaid. I love The Little Mermaid. <laughs> uh, man, I'll tell you something that's firing me up from the NFL perspective. Hmm. So they announced the uh, finalists for NFL MVP today. Hmm. And you've got... Josh Allen, okay. Jalen Hurts, don't think he'll win. Probably thought he would win if he didn't get hurt in December. Joe Burrow and Patrick Mahomes. So that's what I want to center on here. There's this conversation that people are having. Joe Burrow plays Patrick Mahomes this weekend. That if Joe Burrow beats Patrick Mahomes, that means he's the best quarterback in the NFL on Sunday. Because he would have now beaten, in three seasons, Patrick Mahomes four straight times. And he just beat... Uh, Josh Allen. Yeah. Right. I think that's ridiculous. And people need to put some respect on Patrick Mahomes' name. Because last I checked, Sunday is not the Super Bowl. Right. <laughs> and Patrick Mahomes has one of those. Right. So if Joe Burrow beats Patrick Mahomes Sunday and then goes on to win the Super Bowl, okay, maybe we could have a conversation. Maybe. But what's funny to me about it is, even as people say, if Joe Burrow does this. And you know what? Maybe they will. Nobody, if I asked anybody, hey, you can have a quarterback to win a game today. You could have Joe Burrow or Patrick Mahomes. Nobody's taking Joe Burrow in that instance, right? Right. You're no, not. No, I'm not. I'm not. I'm taking Patrick Mahomes. I'm taking the guy who looks like a wizard yeah, when he throws the ball. Yeah, the eye test. But Joe Burrow's getting close. No. Hey, listen. Yes, he is. The nerves of it, he's got ice in his veins. And Mahomes doesn't? He does. I said he's getting close. They're so just he does too. too. I, I think I agree with WD. He's getting close. I agree in the idea that he is inching I'll add closer. two letters. It's like he goes numb in I'm going to add two letters to your sentence. Closer. I'll take it. Different than close. It's actually one letter. Because <laughs> you're just adding an R. Oh, that's true. Thank you. But nevertheless, the point is, I think we that all That was take... actual grammar school. <laughs> that <laughs> <It> was. <laughs> You're an idiot. Um, no, but Mahomes, yeah, you definitely go Mahomes. But I'm telling you, like, it's something about that that Burrow man. Like, he got that swag. Yeah, he he's does. the he's cool. like he's like the 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 uh, what is it? The villain version of Mahomes. Like Patrick Mahomes is the good guy, and Burrow is the just a cold villain. Just but they're the exact same skill set. And he can pull it off. Is there a cooler quarterback in the NFL than Joe Burrow? No, is he's there, like it, Joe Namath. That's yes. it. Like, I can't think the of jacket. Yeah. I'm trying to Smoking think. Smoking a cigar, mm-hmm. bottle poolside with some bad chicks. You're never going to see Patrick Mahomes doing it. You're like, see, that's the thing. Who do I want yeah, as Patrick my quarterback? Mahomes sounds Patrick like he needs Mahomes. to clear his throat every time he talks. <laughs> Who do yeah, I we had a really big game today. Who do I want to hang know. with after a win? Oh, Travis was open. Burrow. Uh, yeah. All I, day. I like ketchup on my on my mashed potatoes. And his teammates feel it, too. Like you can On oh, my mac and cheese. Like, they were smoking cigars after the game the other day. And that's how they do their bosses. I love that. Like, the MVP shouldn't even be a conversation. It should be Mahomes this year. Plain and simple. I don't know, man. No, I mean, who's in that conversation? Just- I mean, Burrow, you got to put him there, man. It was a point in the season where we didn't even think the Bengals were going to be here. Like, they took a nice little dip. I it's don't know not, the records. It's not the factoring. You, you, it doesn't factor the postseason. I thought they'd be here. He did. He picked him to win the Super Bowl. Yeah, but it doesn't Fair. factor. It doesn't factor the postseason. And the reality I'm is, I'm not talking about the postseason. I'm talking about just the regular season, not them beating the Bills just now. I'm talking about everything that led up to them even getting to the spot where they went to play the Bills, like the the 
The Chiefs, what are they, number two in the in the AFC? In the AFC? Number one. one. Oh, they dang, the Bills lost because right, of that game with the with the Bengals. See, that game should have been played out. I mean, well, it shouldn't have been played out, obviously, but if that game would have been played out, that would have <laughs> yeah. made things a lot different. Yeah, B-Dot's like, you know what? <laughs> yeah. Put some dirt on it. Yeah. Five-minute break. Let's <laughs> let's play it. Now that he's okay, we can yeah, make that jokes about That is not what I meant. I understand. In addition to playing <laughs> grammar <laughs> school, a longtime NBA coach plays grammar school as well. Man, they some copycats, man. Next. It's the drive with Josh Graham, WSJS. I feel comfortable making eight mile jokes because I know WD's seen that movie. Good. Many times. B Dot hanging out in studio with us. I've probably seen that movie twice. You need to watch it again. Think so? Very rewatchable. It aged well? I think so. Like The Little Mermaid? Exactly like that. WD's going to watch Goodfellas tonight. Yep. Ooh. I haven't seen that one in a very long time, but I do remember that being an extra great movie. God, Goodfellas. Insulted them just a little bit. Just a little See, bit. I don't know that Keep reference. them here. Keep them here. Yeah, I'm re- I know that reference. Yeah. Yeah, I do know that reference. Mm-hmm. We got grammar school in just a bit, but some people might be stealing our bit. Might be. It ain't no might be. At this point, it's evident, Josh. Like, you can be in denial all you want. It happened organically, though, to give credit or to be fair, because Stan Van Gundy made some point last week on social media about player empowerment or something, and Kevin Durant responded, you spitting. And Stan Van Gundy took that as if Kevin Durant was saying that he was lying. (laughs) And KD had to explain to him, and this is great to follow on Twitter, had to explain to him what spitting meant, which led to last night as our friend Ian Eagle was on the call with Stan Van Gundy. Wait, spitting just means that. He's he's rapping. He's bars. It's bars. And what he's saying is truth right now. That's he's right. Thank truth. you for explaining that. Because yeah, yeah. some people might not know. Fair. Adam Lefko on the TNT broadcast threw another word. And it was actually Brian Anderson sitting next to uh, Stan Van Gundy, not Ian Eagle. But this is how it sounded on TNT. We all know that you learned last week what spitting means. Congratulations. What do you think the word bussin means? Use it in a sentence. Bussin. Good luck. Wow. Well, to use it in a sentence, Brian, I would say that Shaq and Jamal's suits and Candace's sweater are busting. And yes, Adam, let go. I left you out. (laughs) I thought you were going to drop like a bus in your rear end or something like that. Good job, man. Stan, you're really, every week, you're adding layers and layers. How about this look right here by LeBron threading the needle? Gabriel couldn't quite finish it, but he'll go to the line for a pair. LeBron's playmaking is bussing. I like that. See, at first I was like, oh, they definitely prepped him. Definitely. They definitely did. 100% prepped him. There's no chance they didn't. Not a chance. He just jumps out there blindly with But then how does Brian Anderson not know? (laughs) Because he jumped in there talking about bussing your rear end. Yeah, but I would do that too. If if somebody threw one at you like that, if the same scenario happened with us, and we and you said the right answer, I would definitely come in and be like, "Oh, okay, Josh. See, I thought you'd have said something like busting your tail, or he's busting him down on the court." Oh, so like, you're saying Brian Anderson knew, yeah, but was given yeah, Van Gundy props. He's in on it too. So this was staged. A hundred percent. That's why. Step I really up your game, like Turner. But the thing is, though, Van Gundy, he he solidified himself when he threw it in at the end. Because that wasn't in reference to a suit or anything like that. Like the way he used it the first time, somebody had prepped him. Busting is when they they look nice and something is you you like something. Oh, their suit, they look they uh, that's busting. But when he said LeBron's playmaking out there is busting, it was like okay, Van Gundy, you know how to use it across the board. And Back. to spell it out, what does busting mean? Oh, busting just means it's, it's fly. It's off the chains. It's, I'm loving it. It's good. It's, it's dope. If something is good, it's busting. It can be food. Oh, this food is busting. This show is busting. My boy WD is bussing. You know what I mean? The yeah. three of us, when we get together, the energy be bussing. Yeah, it is. You know what I mean? 
the Tar Heels last night against Syracuse, they were bussing. But then you had that kid from Syracuse who came through, and he was really bussing people's lips. So that's a different <laughs> play on bussing. Judah yeah. Mintz. <clears throat> Let's get to, can't think of a better transition for grammar school. Josh Graham has his own way of speaking. And just when you think it can't get any worse, Josh is going to attempt to learn B Dot's vernacular. I'm going to put one in the air. It's time <laughs> for B Dot's Grammar School. Nobody better than B Dot. Free game, during game, post game. Brought to you by Heritage Hardwood Floors. When it comes to flooring, they have no ceiling. Heritage Hardwood Floors. You know what? I saw he doesn't a even recap. need the paper, but I'll I give it to you anyway. Yeah, the, I saw a recap of the Winston-Salem State game last week, and the cheerleaders were on the floor dancing during their cheer like they do after all the wins. And that Heritage Hardwood floor just looks so good on the video. Oh, yeah. It looked amazing out there, man. If you need some superior craftsmanship, the best way to do it is holler at Heritage Hardwood Floors. Homes, businesses, event centers, churches, gyms, it don't matter, man. If you need a floor, they can hook you up. Holler at Jesse and Catherine, okay? When it comes to flooring, they have no ceiling. Got some bad news for you, Dot. What? I wasn't able to incorporate Want the Smoke. Are you serious? Because Wake Forest doesn't do breakout interviews after games. <laughs> so I didn't have a chance to talk one-on-one with anybody. And they lost on Saturday. And I don't think I was going to do breaking out Want the Smoke after the loss to Virginia. Wow. So I still have that written down. It's a good excuse. It's not my fault. So throw one more word at me here, and I'll incorporate either both or one of the two in the next week. All right. I'm going to throw out a word that you have me right now. That word is tight. Ah. Yeah. Yeah, you got me tight because you could have used that some kind of place, some kind of some place. At some point, you could ask Coach Forbes. Well, not only that. Tony it, Bennett. You want me to throw it Tony Bennett? So what's up? How do you get your guys amped up? Y'all seem like y'all want the smoke, Tony Bennett. Tony Bennett, you want the smoke? That's did, what you say. Did they bring any players out at all? They did to the press conference. Yeah, because that's how they do it over there. They'll just bring out a couple from the game. Yeah, but I, I thought I was going to talk to somebody afterwards. It just didn't work out. You can't do it when you're only in your comfort zone. Yeah, okay? sounds like a good opportunity to break it out absolutely in front of everybody yeah the entire room was like wow that guy over there he's hip that's what they're gonna say he brought the smoke he brought the smoke clearly he wants the smoke in this media world Mm -hmm. all right sorry i made you guys tight yeah so So use tight or want the smoke next week we'll get that done i do have a caucastic question for you matter of fact i think you should have to use both of them and see at this point what we'll do is if you don't do it next week we'll just add we're just going to keep adding words that you're going to have to use anxiety Mm -hmm. building Here's my question. I was talking about the movie Cruel Intentions a few times. Obscure, late 90s movie that featured Reese Witherspoon. Yeah, I I vaguely remember that movie. Yeah, no chance that movie could be made in 2023. Kind of like Big, which I watched last night. Wow, why couldn't Big be made now? The last 15 minutes when she learns the guy's a (laughs) 13-year-old and still, like, caressing his hair and asking, are you at least 15 or 16? (laughs) It's not. It's not great. But I will contest that. One of the best scenes in the history of film is still the scene where they're playing chopsticks on the large piano on the ground. Yeah. The keyboard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do remember that scene. That scene still is fantastic. And I love the movie Big. I just don't think that ages particularly well. Other than Cruel Intentions, name a Reese Witherspoon movie. Clueless. That's not Reese Witherspoon. Dang it. See why you thought that, but Dang it. it's not her. Um, You're thinking of uh, Alicia Silverstone. Oh, what was that movie she did with? Um, uh, it was she was a police officer. Reese Witherspoon was. She was along with Sophia Vergara. Yeah, what movie was that? You know what I'm talking about? No, they were an undercover <laughs> cop. That sounds terrible. <laughs> Give me other Reese Witherspoon There's a movie with movies. Reese Witherspoon and Sophia Fergara? What does Reese Wi- Yes. What does Reese Witherspoon look like? Uh Reese Witherspoon, well, she was in Cruel Intentions. Uh, here she is right here. Oh yeah, I know her. She's got the eyes. Yeah, she's got the eyes. She's God. in legally blonde. <laughs> legally blonde is what I meant. Not clueless, I promise yeah. you. Sweet home Alabama. No, nah, yep. I'm not familiar with that. Legally blonde is what I was thinking, man. Yeah, big little lies. Because she's a, she's she's pretty clueless in Legally Blonde. 
pretty good, yeah. but you're still not getting points. Dang right. it! What are your questions for me today? All right. Up first, it was raining outside all day today, and it what? had me thinking of something that's definitely used in the urban demographic. And I will see today is it's also used in the caucastic homes as has well. Has it stopped raining? No. Nope. I'm not sure. Oh. No, it has not. You got me optimistic and hopeful about my drive home that it wouldn't be raining anymore. What was a rule in Big Mama House during a thunderstorm, Josh Graham? What was a rule in Big Mama House about when a thunderstorm's happening? During a thunderstorm. There are rules in Big Mama House. It's two rules in Big Mama House. During a thunderstorm, two things you do not do. It don't happen during a thunderstorm. 336-777-1600. That's the phone number if you would like to be a lifeline for Josh Graham. 336-777-1600. Sarah Bradford's blowing up my text. I could see it on my iPad. Really? And it sounds... Sounds like she knows. Does I don't she know? See. Let me see. She, I don't know. Why is she? <laughs> Does it, it's, did she text the answer? She thought, it was on VDOT's Instagram. I know this. I know. <laughs> you be quiet, Sarah Bradford. Well, I'm looking why don't at the you phone. use the lifeline number? 336-777-1600, Sarah Bradford. <laughs> we gave you a way to help. I love her. She sent like eight messages in a row, all giving the answer. So annoying. She's, a, she's amazing. That is not a good We gave so a phone line. She was so excited, though. I could hear her screaming it. I know this. I know this. <laughs> <laughs> like, I mean, come on. There's you 336-777-1600, and you're blowing up my phone. There's like don't eight you look texts. At, don't you look at it. Leave it alone. Don't you try to look at it either. I don't even think they're still up anymore. They are. They okay. are. They're still up. Don't you freaking look at it. You get out of here. Who we got? on the line. Oh, someone's called up? Jim in Lexington. What do you got? Jim, I, I have a guess, yeah. but before you go, I think it has something to do with, like, holding the remote, maybe. Jim, what is it? Uh, don't get on the phone. Don't get on the phone. Okay. So there's two things you don't do. Thank you for the call, Jim. Appreciate that advice. <sighs> don't get on the... I'm gonna say... Yeah, that sounds right. Don't get on the phone, and I'm gonna say don't, like... Hold the remote for the TV. Like, you can't have the remote in your hand. My, that's what my mom always said when I was a kid. Like, make sure you're not holding the remote. Sarah Bradford, text us right now and let us know, should we give Josh Graham that point? Whoa. Because you know the answer, and what Josh Graham said was not the answer. However, you can sort of flip it and maybe make it the answer. Was, wait, I, was I right about the phone? N n maybe. Maybe. Or Jim, was he right about the phone? Yeah, Don't maybe. Don't want to throw Jim under the bus. Please text Sarah Bradford. Text. We're going to come back to this one. You have her number. You can just text I know, text but her. I'm waiting on her to text you back because it's funny just to see these. You have stuff. my phone. And you're just waiting just for her so to text. It's so funny to see so many messages she sent with the answer. It is hilarious. Oh, I but so I, I got it wrong? Pretty much. I think. Okay. I, but see, I didn't want to give you the buzzer because I wanted to wait for Sarah Bradford. To How see. close was I? We're gonna move. We're gonna move forward. We're gonna come back. Okay. We're gonna come back. Put your phone down. I don't Sarah know why Bradford, I just reached. I'm for still my waiting phone. for your text, Sarah Bradford. All okay. right. Well, that's this, pending. This is one word, two different ways to use it. So two different ways for you to get two points. You got it. The word is fit. F I T. Now, what does it mean if she throws a fit? She's mad at you. Like, she is upset with you. She is throwing a fit. Congratulations. Give him a bail on that. Second, what does fitna mean? F fitna? I T. Yeah, F-I-T apostrophe N-A. We're not talking about fitness jokes, are we? Okay. <laughs> Thank you. Fitna. I thought you were going to ask me what a fit was, and I was going to... Dunk and talk about outfits and such. Thought I had it. Fitna, rhyming with former Lions quarterback John Kitna. Yeah. Three three six seven 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 one six hundred. Has Sarah Bradford texted you back? Yeah, we're texting on my phone now. She texted your phone to tell me that she texted me on my phone. So now we're texting on my. You phone. guys are so obnoxious. It I hurts. love her so much. Do we have a ruling? And my Christmas cards was returned yesterday. That's kind of weird. What is that? All oh, about? she told you about that? Yeah, she just oh, sent it to I me. was supposed to tell you about. Oh, that. it's because it's the wrong address. Don't worry about it. I'll send you that. See, address. we've been doing this so long. I ran out of music. Oh, well, but it's because we're stalling it this and also be waiting for help from the lines that you're not looking at. She's so biased. 336-777-1600. She is so biased, dude.
She thinks I should get the point? Yeah, of course she does. But what was the answer? Okay, the answer, two rules in Big Mama House is no talking and no electricity. Like, you got to cut all the electricity off. Oh. You pull all the appliances. No TV, no talking, no electricity. So no phone is possibly no... No, I mean, no talk. The remote revolves the TV. No, the remote was horrible. That oh. was what made you go down the toilet. Oh, okay. So I still don't know. Okay. Fitna. What Fitna. is Fitna? Who do we got to help me out with Fitna? Zach and Winston. We're going Zach. back to help. On, what are we doing? Double phone lines? Today? Oh, wait, that's right. We no, get, we've no. already done a lifeline, right? No, no, no. I'm going oh, to Zach. I, I did it. Wow, I did this it. is crazy. I need Zach's help. How hey, did Zach? you make this happen? Zach, hey, help me. What's going on? What Zach, up, Zach, real quickly before they hang up on the line, help me. Talk. Okay, like, I'm sitting uh, about to whoop that tail. Or I'm sitting about to whoop that tail. Okay, I like that. Thanks, Zach. Run, run. Get him out of here. Box of tickets. I don't know Fitna. how the hell we got to you. I gave you one to today. beat your butt. I gave you one today. He did, man. What was that, WD? Well, uh, the guy didn't help me. You got it wrong. It doesn't matter. That was your lifeline. You might not I'm get sorry. one next week. Okay. Yeah. No, don't, don't. This might. does not carry over. Uh, okay. Is Fitna your final answer? Yes. That is correct. Thank you. I'm fitting a blank. That's what I'm fitting to do. We need to get one more in here quickly. That's it. We're done. You did three. Wait, we got three? Yes. Oh, that's right. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Oh, did you get the... Did you get the the first one? She, right? no. Sarah Bradford I was said on the phone. yes. Sarah Bradford said yes. Give it to him, yeah. but that's just because she's in love with him. All right, there you, go. you got three for three, but not really though. When I put on my notes, I'm gonna say you only got that one because of Sarah Bradford.